0: What's up, professional elves? This is the Christmas Pros Podcast, the only podcast for all things professional holiday decorating. Listen in as we meet some special guests, including vendors and industry leaders, to discuss the professional Christmas lighting industry and everything that goes into it. I'm your host, Zach Marker, the head elf. I am also the owner of Elves and Ladders Holiday Lighting in Philadelphia and the founder of Tinsel CRM, the CRM designed for the Christmas lighting industry. While the professional Christmas industry could feel like one giant family, there are certainly competitors just like in any other industry. This podcast does its best to leave all the drama aside and gives you just the facts while having some fun. So pop those headphones in, start your pre-bulbing and enjoy the show. Today's guest is none other than Melody Edwards. Melody has owned and operated multiple service businesses over the past 20 years including her current venture, Renew Holiday Lights, and Home Service, VA. She is currently on her third season as a holiday light installer, but she's been a decorator for many years before that. Since being diagnosed with ADHD in her 30s, Melody has spent the last decade obsessively studying how to harness the gifts found in the sparkly part of her brain while learning how to override the critical part. Miss Melody Edwards, welcome to the show, how are you?
1: I'm doing great, how are you doing?
0: I'm doing wonderful. (laughs) You have Renew Holiday Lights and Home Service VA, but before all of that, you had a couple of other businesses, right?
1: That's right, I used to be a window cleaning lady for 28 years, Um, and so I, well, I really owned that business for about 20 years. I I sold um, the second one recently, and I had house washing as a part of that as well, I had a coffee shop at one point. Um, I had an errand service as my first real business. I've been an esthetician long, long ago. I've done all the things, you know. But um, I really got into holiday lights because one of my friends, whose family was in it for like 40 years, decided to move to Florida, and um, he was just kind of going to let it go. And I said, no way, I need this business. So I... Bought it from him and it has been, this will be my third season and I love it. It's so fun.
0: So out of all the businesses that you own, which one is your favorite?
1: Well, Holiday Lights, of course. It's, It's, I mean, don't, I know that Home Service VA, my other business is, my favorite brain project, I guess. But I really, I like to say I spread joy and cheer throughout the land of Western Massachusetts and beyond. So, <laughs> I yeah, love that. it's it's really fun. And we do a, a lot of event decor now as well. And we're not like buying cardboard cutouts. We actually build sets and props for big events and parties and weddings. So we're getting a lot more into that,
0: which I love. That's awesome. That's one thing I've always wanted to get into was um the event the event space and not so much just event lighting, but more so the staging and the props.
1: Yeah. And
0: things of that nature. It's like so. We're we're gonna design. have to talk about. Yeah, that. Yeah,
1: it's like set design.
0: It's fun. So you mentioned that uh you bought this company from a from a friend. Yeah. Um, Going into that, how like how many customers did you did you inherit when you bought this business? So
1: it's kind of funny because he had downsized. Um, his mom had recently died, and she had been his business partner, and so he had been running it a year alone, and it was all commercial. He didn't have any residential. Um, so I think at the time he maybe had thirty jobs, but a lo- you know there were a bunch of municipalities and bigger th- contracts that you know needed to be managed. So. Um, The first year I came on, I decided I'm going to do residential because in window cleaning, residential was like my favorite thing. I'm like um, a customer guru. I understand, you know, that clientele so well. And the really funny thing is I don't love residential holiday lights the way that I liked it for window cleaning. Um, I really love the commercial side of it. So I think I, I didn't grow my business at all last year, but um we might have added about 30 residential in the beginning just to keep things like even and then i got rid of some of them last year cuz i was just like it was you know you know what i mean
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah every everybody has their uh their niche their favorite thing to do yeah. and and you were lucky enough to find yours early yes uh in in early in the holiday lighting business at least for yeah. you um so that's pretty yeah. cool you're one of the first people i've talked to that has uh, that didn't start this business from scratch, so I'm I'm extremely interested in that. So, forgive me if I spend no. a lot of time yeah, on that. Of but course. when when you inherited the business or when you bought the business, did you um, did did the former owner did he train you on things or did he just kind of give you the keys to the kingdom and let you kind of do your thing or how did that well, work out?
1: Well, so the first time, I, just to back up a little bit, I had when I started in window cleaning, I'd bought my former boss's company. And he basically handed me a box of receipts and a paper calendar and was like, okay, here's the business, bye. And so I spent 10 years kind of figuring out how business is actually supposed to work. So when I bought this company um, from my friend Jay, I kind of was handed the same thing, like a bunch of, you know, folders of, you know, receipts essentially. But the cool thing is he was still really old school and um, we used a lot of um, incandescence, which I know is such a bad, bad word, but I love- (laughs) We Don't say that on this show. Yes. I'm so sorry. (laughs) But um, I love that I learned all of the stuff like from him, that old school knowledge, all of these old, old tricks that still- you know, like some of it I, I wouldn't use, and some of it is like genius, and I'm going to hold on to it forever, and I'm not telling anybody my secrets. But um, I also took the CLIPA training. I, I knew based on my previous experience that it would be worth, you know, every penny to find a good training program and then just invest in that. And so I love that I had both the old experience and the new experience, but my mindset was new. It it wasn't like I was bogged down by just having been, you know, working with incandescence and the old ways forever.
0: Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that, uh, that you took the CLIPA training. I was in business for, I wanna say, three years before I took the CLIPA training. And uh, by the time I got to the CLIPA training, a lot of it was, you know, it's stuff you need to learn in your first year. And if you go on, on your own in the first year hard
1: lessons learned yeah
0: lessons learned right yeah but it was really cool I, I i went into that thinking i need to train my guys and so i actually went to the clipper training to learn how to train my guys i knew how to do everything and the the one or two guys that have been with me since the beginning have to know how to do everything but we can't scale like that we have to obviously train our people and so i actually went to the clipper training just to figure out how to train my team
1: so to um piggyback on that When I took the CLIPA training, it was in 2020. It was online. And so I actually had Dean at the time um, take the CLIPA training as well and create my training modules for my employees because for like employee training. In my head, I was thinking, I know about as much as she does right now. And she can watch all those, you know, the 10 hours of that class and put together what I want her to. So she actually created the first employee training modules that I still use for um, our employee training program. So
0: to, to piggyback off of that, under your direction, because I was a customer of Home Service VA at the time I took the clip, so I actually, you, you told me that, and that's pretty much exactly what I did with, with my assistant uh, range. I actually went to the training, and I brought home the materials, and I gave them to her, and I said... You know you need to know this stuff too because i was just training my assistant at the time so you need to learn this stuff too and so kind of go through and, and understand it yourself obviously i'm here for questions and all that stuff but then turn this into a training for our crew and she did it all which is wonderful and this was the first year that i actually had that and um it yeah, had had an actual training for my crew and it went flawlessly it only you know we would trained our crew and, and just you know, an hour or two of a classroom. And then we went out and, and, and learned on the floor, you know, taught them, as we did things in the field, I taught them different things. But that was a really good idea to kind of just go to that training just to kind of get the ideas of how to train.
1: Yes, yes, and I think because of my experience in the past of having businesses that just, I did, I, le- I love learning things the hard way. It's just my favorite way to learn, right? I, as I think many of us stubborn business people, um, many people could agree with that. It's not like we like to learn that way, but that's the way that we actually do learn. So having had the experiences with the window cleaning in the past, I was able to really come into this with like so much more business training and knowledge about how to set this up so much better from the start. And um, the first year I was really set up so well. And then last year I had started Home Service VA and suddenly it was September, And I was like, oh, crap, I have another business. I need to start that up because we're so seasonal. Um, And so it was less flawless last year. I also had the idea last year that um, I was sick of working on a computer, and I thought it would be a good idea to work in the field because I had done some field work the year before, but I forgot the year before I didn't have to. I did it when I wanted to. Last year I had to. It was like, again, never going to do that again. I'm going to have – you know, people who are crew leads, I'm not going to be on job sites unless I, you know, just to visit and say hello. But um, I learned my lesson.
0: Yeah, absolutely. One of the biggest struggles for most people is um, trying to get off the truck and out of the installation, off the roof and getting, yeah. trying to stay in the office more. And I talked about this in my last, um, my last conversation with Brian Beaudry. It's so hard to find that that, Recurring labor. If you don't have another business, like I don't have another business, I'm just Christmas lights. So for me to yeah. get good people for four or five, six months, and then not have anything for them for the other six months, I can't expect them not to go out and get another job because uh, that's just unreasonable. And so that's that's, that's been a, a long, um, it's a challenge, long battle. Well, I have a I have the experience of the first year that I
1: did lights. I had my window cleaning company, and I actually hired out some subs for doing a lot of the work towards November and pulled all of my employees over from window cleaning. And that was another reason why it went so well the first year because it was kind of seamless. I could just pull people as I needed them. Um, And then I had people who were just full-time holiday lights. Last year I had to hire everybody from scratch and I really changed, um, I'm actually really good at hiring. I don't usually have trouble finding good people. Last year, I realized it was going to be more difficult with the way that everything was going. Um, so I started advertising for part-timers, which I'd never, ever done before in any of my service businesses. I always liked full-time people. But I found a lot of part-timers who were still willing to do full days of work. So I didn't care if it was one full day or four full days. I just wanted them to commit to like being able to work from morning till whenever we end Um, That worked out really well because as long as my training was consistent, um, people were able to adapt to, you know, and then they could make extra holiday money. They, you know, one woman that I had that I loved, she was actually a therapist, but she loves working with her hands. And so she did that one day a week. And um, I think we had eight or nine people who were just part timers. Now, my other lesson that I learned was I want to have a full time, at least one full time crew this year. And then I can have more part-timers. Um, but, yeah, it, it's I guess it's all how you market it, you know?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I found some, some pretty good success last year with part-timers. Um, one of the best um, professions that I found to, to, to find labor from, um, at least here in Philadelphia, is firemen. Uh, firemen yeah. are great on roofs, great on ladders, and all, and they're super safe uh, or super yeah. safety conscious, at least. Yes. Um and in Philadelphia, they work. Their schedule is four on, four off. So they work four days at the mm. firehouse, and then they work four, or then they're off for four days. So their schedule constantly shifts by a day every week. But uh, barring that, they committed to you know one day, three days, you know. Or, you know, even even the days that they work, they work two day day shifts and then two night shifts. So on two of them, there are two night shifts. Some people were even, like, coming in, working for me during the day and then working for the firehouse overnight. Wow. And then they would give you one or two days. So... You have to be flexible. You can't just say, "Hey, we're working Monday to Friday, 7 to 5." Absolutely. You just you have to be really flexible, especially because we're not the ones in control, unfortunately. The labor market is what's in control, and people only want to work yeah. when they want to work or only work when they can work. And so we yeah. have to be flexible there.
1: I think um another thing that's really missing in the industry or in all the service industry is obviously I'm a woman, I am not, I'm definitely the minority in the industry because most of the people in that are guys. And so I think sometimes you overlook the fact that how you advertise is who you're going to attract. And a lot of companies will say, well, I put out an ad and no women applied, or I, I would totally hire a woman, but nobody ever applies. Well, one of the statistics out there is that women will only apply for jobs if they feel 100% qualified for that job, whereas men will apply if they feel 60% qualified and i would even say that's being generous and so being able to change your ad so that it is not like if you say must be able to carry a 32 foot ladder you're either way you're losing probably 99% of the the talent that is out there because so the way i've always framed it is we don't start you at the top of the ladder we train you in safety we start you at little ladders and train you to get to the big ones Um, We don't just use ladders. We use lifts. We use poles. And just kind of like going over people's, like kind of preemptively talking about their fears to them is really helpful to help get different kinds of employees in who you might not get in. And, you know, there's a lot of girls out, I shouldn't say girls, uh, ladies, I guess, (laughs) out there and, and nice guys who normally might not apply for those jobs who can totally become like roof monkeys or whatever you want them to be. You just have to, sh- to show them how.
0: Yeah, absolutely, there's, like you said, uh, women are the minority, but that doesn't mean that there's not a good amount of women out there that would be great in this industry for sure.
1: Oh, there totally are. Most of, you know, I would say like, I got to the point where 60 or 70% of my employees were women, I had to scale back my ad to be a little less um, inclusive in a way so that I, cause I don't want just women, I want anybody who's good who's cheerful, who I don't have to like scream at. I don't I don't wanna yell at anybody, you know?
0: I wanna switch gears a little bit. Yeah. You were diagnosed with ADHD, ADHD in, the thir- in your 30s, right? Yeah, I was 30. And so um, in my notes here, it says that you kind of spent the last decade obsessively studying how to harness the gift found in the sparkly part of your brain.
1: Yeah, that's uh, the hyper focus.
0: I am very, I'm <laughs> very curious about all that you mind yeah. uh, talking about it a little bit?
1: Absolutely, I put it in my descriptions because I want to talk about it because it's something that's not often talked about. You know, I, I so many people in the service industry struggled in school or it wasn't their best time, you know? And, and then we come out and we become entrepreneurs either by accident or on purpose, but a lot of us start as technicians because we don't want to go to Harvard or whatever. And we have our labor. Um, so I always felt kind of stupid as I was growing up. I, I couldn't do things the way that everybody was out doing it. And the way, even that when I was learning business, the way that people who wrote business books or would you know be on podcasts, they'd be talking about how they do it. And I just could not conform all the time to those ways or follow their ways. And when I got diagnosed, it literally changed my life. Now at the time... I was 30, I was about to graduate from college for the you know, it taken me 10 years um on and off I was raising a daughter on my own. I was running a full-time window cleaning company. Obviously, I could juggle so many things. And the only reason I ended up getting tested was because I was at my doctor's, you know, talking about how frustrating it was. Um and he said, you know, I, he had known me since I was 14. He said, Melody, I wouldn't recommend this to somebody who sits on their couch all day eating potato chips, but because you're actually wanting to get stuff done in your life, you really should go get diagnosed. So I got a real, a proper diagnosis, which takes about eight hours of testing,
0: and it goes over how you learn. It teaches you everything. That could not have been easy for, for somebody who has ADHD to sit and get tested for eight hours. <laughs> But it's not
1: all in a row. It's like two days, I think, four hours each. But it's interesting because, you know, people like me were always like analyzing as we're doing. And so I was analyzing the tests in my head while also trying to think of the answers. And, you know, it was really, it's probably one of the most um, insightful things I've done. And so I've been like really paying attention to, you know, when you first got when I first got diagnosed. I was crazy about it. Like I wanted to change everything in my life and my business. I started building systems that were like, I'd spend like so long on these systems and they were perfect and so complicated because I just loved thinking it through. I would hyper-focus on it. And then eventually after, you know, a couple of years, I learned to have more moderation in what I did. All of my systems are now like super stupid simple um, because I can't follow them and I won't follow them. I always say, I love creating systems, but I don't follow my systems. I, that's why I hire other people. And um, so it really taught me so much about myself. And I think I'm very lucky. Um, for people who were diagnosed when they were kids, I think sometimes they might just decide, okay, I guess this is who I am then, and it becomes a liability. Um, for me, having to struggle through, but getting that diagnosis, it was kind of like giving me a superpower. And being able to kind of really see the world in my own colorful way now and being comfortable with that has changed um, everything for me. And um, so, yeah, I I would recommend it to people if they think they have it, just to to learn more about who you are and how you learn. And it's good to think about for employees as well, Zach.
0: So you said the... um you know, the fact that you got diagnosed, you know, and, and it kind of opened up your eyes, it kind of felt like, you know, this superpower moment. What do you mean by that? Like, just because the fact that you know and you now understand it and you can kind of learn to understand how your how your mind works and, and, and trying to, you know, model your life around that, is that, is that kind of what yeah. you're talking about? Yeah, pretty
1: much. Like, I, for instance... Um, you know, there's a lot of things that ADD people struggle with, and I'll talk about it in terms of um my home service VA business because any of the businesses that I've run, there are a couple things that are always challenges for me. Managing employees is a big challenge, consistency is a big challenge. I learned pretty early on that it I needed to take one of my better employees, you know, the ones that like to follow rules and are annoyed that you don't have enough structure in your business and i would just say hey i'm going to pay you a couple dollars more will you be the operations i used to say manager and i've changed it to assistant cuz people freak out when you say manager if they're not ready for that but um but they were the people that i ended up choosing were perfect for those roles they they would take my systems and they would implement them and they would make sure that they were consistent and they could say to the other employees, Hey, I don't make the rules. You know, this is Mel, but also they were my buffer, you know, they were my communication buffer. Um, so like that's something that I learned that I would never have figured out otherwise. So in business, they always say like, well, I hear a lot because of the groups kind of groups we're in um, never get an office manager until you're, you know, at, five, you know, 300,000 or 500,000. And I had an operations, I mean, I had an office assistant when I was at like $100,000 in my business, because I hate office work, I would put off phone calls for a week. And the stubborn part of me was like, I don't want to hire somebody. But I realized that was a part of my salary that I was giving her. Once I hired her, I was able to really, like, just push the business forward, because I didn't have all of that Busy work that I hated, you know, holding me down anymore.
0: Yeah, it's funny you say that. There's a lot of people that put um, certain things in in a box um, that say, "Hey, you shouldn't have this type of employee until you know this number." No, maybe they they shouldn't have that type of employee. It all depends on how you want to run your business. If you want to be the person that's in the office all day long then yeah, you can delay getting an office manager. If you want to be the person that's on the roof, you should probably get an office manager as soon as possible so that you're not answering phone yeah. calls and doing paperwork while you're on the roof hanging lights.
1: Well, and most people are on the roof taking phone calls most of the time. And that's what I say in my um, when I'm giving talks. I always say, you know that you need a VA if you are on a roof taking a phone call. Like, you should never be doing that.
0: <laughs> I And am, it's the norm. I 100% believe that 100% of Christmas light. <laughs> uh, company owners have been on a roof and answered a phone call from a client 100 percent. we've all been there
1: um i'm definitely a part of that club too so yes yeah. it's true
0: you had mentioned that you love to make uh systems in your business yeah. and um i want to ask you more about that but before i do i want to just tell everybody that um like i said earlier i've been a customer of home service va and i love having systems but i don't love making them because where do you start right it's it's always this big scary monster that we got to face down yeah and and mel has kind of um you know beat that monster down and opened up the door and said this is how you do it it's very simple um yeah. and af- after she opened up my eyes it is really simple so uh can you talk a little bit about uh, you know building systems and things like that absolutely
1: yeah i think um i spent 10 years i had read the E-Myth. i don't know if you've ever you know if you've read that, but Very talks about how yeah, it's great. It's like a first great business book that you read and you're like, I'm gonna make this kind of business, but how? How do you do that? He doesn't quite give you the answer. So I just tried for years. I'm not a writer, I'm a talker. I like to talk things out, I'm a visual person. And so I would try to write these systems and then my head would get overwhelmed because you start writing one, and you're like, "Oh my god, I have a thousand. And then you're thinking of the thousand that you have to write after, and then you just give up. That's ten years of my life, right there. Um, it was actually when I got a business coach, uh, Coach Kedma. She kind of, you know, opened my eyes to the fact that I was kind of doing it really the hard way, and she said, "Mel, just get some screen, sh- you know, recording software." and just make videos. Very simple videos, you know, a lot of people get scared of making videos and I definitely was one of them. I, I always think I hate being on video, but you get over it really quick. Um, and what I ended up doing is, you know, like you know, our process has actually improved tremendously since you were a customer, but we ask you what you want your VA to do you made, you know, you basically filled out a form and then we just flipped that into a training plan for your VA. And we said, hey, Zach, you need to make these videos. And even then, we still cheat the system. And like, for instance, you you should not be making software training videos. None of us, and, and you know, as a software person now, um, most people will never use the full capability of their software because they only take enough time to learn what they need to get it running. And then they just are flying after that. They don't take the time to go back and learn the rest. And a VA, you can have them learn, you know, you can have them watch every video the software company's ever made. You can have them go into Facebook groups and trouble, you know, the the software Facebook groups and read all the troubleshooting and they can make you a troubleshooting guide. And they they have all the time, you know, that you don't have and you can make it their job to learn those things. So there's lots of ways to cheat the system, but um, it it's very very simple once you get started and get over your own fear, uh, which is what most of us have to do.
0: Yeah, I love I love the idea of, um, so so, conventionally any employee that you have in your business you need to train them or you need to create a training to train them. However, a VA, you can kind of sidestep it and say, "Yeah, go train yourself by using Absolutely. whatever material. So I don't have to necessarily be an expert on social media marketing. I can buy them a course, either yes. an online course or, or give them videos and let them learn and let them become the expert. And then what I can do is I can have them create a manual so that if they decide yes. to ever leave the company or we have to part ways, the can, that can serve as a training for the next person to step in, or they can hire more people as needed for whatever the service may be. So I love, the, I love the idea of kind of sidestepping and not having to be a pro in something to train your VA.
1: Well, you have an open mind about it, and most people feel like they're the holder of all of the specialized information. They are, they have the the, the key to the vault. And you know, the thing is, we forget we learned all that stuff, and anybody can really learn it. So, right, So
0: that's, that's where I'm going. That was my, yeah, it's that's mindset. what I was going to say. That's, um, stole it. <laughs> I, I am a firm believer that you should have a deep understanding of every key part of your business,
1: Of course. Yeah. but
0: I'm also a, a believer that you don't have all the answers. You have to have the people that have all the answers. So if there's, yeah. you know, I need to know that we're marketing on Facebook, for example, say, and I need to know that you know, our returns on Facebook and all that other fun stuff. I don't necessarily need to know how to create an, a great Facebook post for the revenue to, to you know no. to to get a good return. That's yeah. what we hire the experts for or in this case virtual assistants that we train to be the experts in our business.
1: Yeah, it's so hard. I mean, I have the benefit of having had a very old school mindset. Pre-internet, like pre-Facebook groups, there was no Facebook when I started, you know, in the service business industry. And so I was learning everything the hard way, learning from my boss who was Really the worst person to learn from he was a genius <laughs> but he was not a genius at the the business um, and so I f- was just figuring out everything and when you're old school like that, what ends up happening is you learn it was so hard to learn that you want to just hold on to that all that information and you know, the internet kind of blew that up because in the old days, nobody would tell you how to be a window cleaner or how to hang Christmas lights or any of that. It was like a secret that nobody could have. And so for us old school people to come on board with the new mindset of like, the information is available everywhere, doesn't mean everybody's going to use it because barely anybody uses the information that's available. Um so yeah, I see a lot of people who still have that, or they struggle with that old school mindset, or they don't even know that they have it. And I really worked hard on, a, on developing a growth mindset, taking a lot of classes, joining coaching groups. I just got back from a mastermind in, uh, you know, in Nashville that I go to quarterly, which is the BBB. I really value that kind of education because every day I'm moving in inches. And then when I go to one of these events, I push forward a mile. And then I might go back to inches again. But it's like gives me so much insight, so much um, access to knowledge from other people like you and other, you know, who are doing things that are similar, who have done it better or who have grown to where I want to grow. So it's essential that you really work on developing your mindset. And I even train business owners in our core, in our, you know, learning portal that we have, they have to watch my videos. And one of them is about having a growth mindset and why they need to. Because they really, if you don't, you're not going to be able to be very successful um, with a virtual assistant.
0: Yeah, there's uh, one thing I look for when I'm interviewing uh, new employees. And uh, one, we're looking for people that know what they're doing. But we're also mm-hmm. looking for people that don't just say yeah. I know that. I know that. I know that. I know that. Because we don't want yeah. every, we don't want people that know everything, right? We want them. No. We want them to to know that they have to learn and grow. You're never going to be great in this company if you think you know everything. And so that's one of the key yes. factors that I look for as well when I'm hiring somebody.
1: Absolutely, me too. And at being a woman-owned company, I think it's even worse for me because I've had so many bad hires, and usually those bad hires think they know the whole business after a week and they are telling me how i could run it better and um when really they don't know anything at that point so i learned a long time ago to just hire hire for personality and i can train anybody to do the things that i do
0: yeah now on the flip side that doesn't mean that we can't listen to our employees ideas right because no i
1: love i love it Yeah. yeah
0: i think um Sourcing, especially when when you come up to something new, uh, whether it be like a new type of installation or or a new process or anything like that, Um, when you're able to kind of get all your people in a room and say, hey, listen, we got to do this. I have an idea for how to do it. What do you guys think, though? And so I like to go around the horn and see if anybody has any cool ideas or different ideas. And then... I'm the type of guy I don't know everything right i definitely yeah. don't know everything i'm not the guy that's out there installing as much as they are i'm definitely out there yep. installing but they're the ones that are out there installing a lot more than me and so they know a little bit more than i do in that area so when i sit down with an idea and i have an idea i want to yes. see what they say before i tell them my idea because i don't want them to just yes boss me you know i don't want that yeah
1: i want them yeah. to, i want
0: them to give me their idea and if their idea is better like all right, we're going with your idea. You know, I yeah. have. There's no shame in that. There's no pride. There's no room for pride if there's a better idea in the room. Let's use that. Well, one. and they
1: have a buy-in. They have a buy-in when you do when you present ideas that way. I am a huge proponent of um, asking for feedback and really expecting it from anybody who works for me. Um, because the same thing, like I actually know a lot of stuff, but I don't know a lot of stuff. Yeah, of course. The more I know, the more I realize that. And so it's so important. The best time to ask employees for their feedback is actually when they leave, um, when they're done with you, because they are going to be the most honest at that point. And I love asking for feedback then, because that's when you can really, I mean, not that they wouldn't tell me in person, but they can really, you know that they're telling you freely how it actually was or how I could actually improve things in the company. I would say that the people that I hire tend to not be money motivated and they're more purpose driven. They, they like the actual thought of helping people with holiday lights and not that I'm not paying them well, cause I am. But when I hire purpose driven people, I know that they're going to care about the customer experience. I know that they're going to care about the work that they're doing and they actually care about the culture that they're working in. They want to work for some somebody in a company that cares about its people um, especially young people, they don't want to work for, you know, the old school, like just do the work and shut up kind of bosses. Like that's going to be going by the wayside. Um, I think we've seen that in the, what the great resignation or whatever that we've been having. I'm, I'm curious.
0: Yeah. Um, you mentioned you really strive to hire purpose-driven, uh, employees. What do yes. you look, like, what do you look for? How do you, when you're hiring somebody or, or you're interviewing somebody, what do you look for to kind of signify that they're purpose-driven?
1: So I have a couple things that I look for. Um, the fir- Well, I'll say the, the first things that I actually look for is when I do an in-person interview, I look at before they even walk into the building, I'm already watching them outside. I watch how they walk in from their car to the office. I notice what time it is and I watch them walk out. If people walk with a sense of purpose, generally they are going to be thinking one step ahead they're always like they're they're doers and if somebody is a kind of daydreamy and a slow walker i find them to be kind of they're going to be slow to um be able to adapt to the speed of our company and to adapt to learning what we do and i don't say that to say i don't hire certain types of people, but it's just some of the tips I've learned over 20 years. Um, the other thing I do is I interview them very early in the morning. If, if we have a call time of 7.30 on average, they're coming in at seven for an interview. And I wanna see how they, um, actually this tip went viral on TikTok for me in a very bad, bad way. Yeah, I did, <laughs> I <I've> see that. <laughs> people hated it, but it, cause it went to the employee side of TikTok, sure. not the employer. But um, I love this tip because it actually works. If you do interviews early in the morning, you'll see who they are. Are they morning people? Um, they're going to come in. They're going to be five minutes early. They're going to be prepared. They're going to walk in, you know, with some pep in their step and be excited to be there. And if somebody is um, not a natural morning person, they might jump out of bed, jump into their car, and you're going to also see that. Um, they might be, like, right on time, down to the wire And that's a sign to me that they're going to have trouble coming in on time every day. Um, And that tip alone cut my, um, like, tardiness used to be a huge issue, huge. And especially it's like such a culture killer if people are allowed to be tardy and you don't fire them or something, which it's hard to fire people. So that tip brought my company to the point where everybody was early by like five to 10 minutes and that was their choice it wasn't because i i told them to be early that's what they felt comfortable doing and the whole energy shifted in my company and i actually this is a funny but not funny story my daughter really wanted to work for us back then and she's a night owl and i said okay i'm not your manager rowan's your manager um, but you have to know you have to be on time, and I'm not gonna baby you. You know, there's no nepotism here, and so she got fired. <laughs> 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 I think it sent a very powerful message, though. That, um, yeah, it, because if we'd kept her, she would have kind of ruined that thing that we were so that I worked so hard to build. And um,
0: yeah, and it's and, so, and just the fact that it's, and, and I don't mean this in the wrong way, but just the fact that mommy's yeah. mommy's daughter is getting away with everything, right? The boss's yeah, daughter, and that's.
1: It, it would totally have been that way, and so she knew that going in that that was a, that was a big possibility if she couldn't make it work. Um, but the other thing that I look for is how excited are they by my job ad? You know, I'm I'm really saying like, do you want to spread joy and cheer around the land of Massachusetts or whatever? I'm I make weird job ads, but they're fun and cheerful and just kind of bring my personality into the ad or just the general personality of our company, and the people who. Come back and they're like, oh my god, this ad was great. I love it so much. I want to do that. That person right there is somebody who I want to invest in. If they're, if they are, have what I need them to have for for the job. Um, the other thing is I I tell people I'm a purpose driven company in our ads. Um, when I had my window cleaning company, we actually had a community fund, where we gave two percent of all of our revenue, not not our profit, our revenue. To local nonprofits and customers got to choose as well as my employees so each customer had a share and so did an employee um and it was very very successful and very um and it was something that employees loved too because they can't afford to necessarily give away money i couldn't when i was younger but it felt really meaningful to them that they got to choose where that money was going to go. So some people chose animal you know, shelters and some people chose cancer, but it was all local and it just was something exciting. I've taken my employees camping on the Cape before we've done just so much to build that culture. But what it does is they've, it means that when times get tough, they've got my back too. They've they care about the people they work with not everybody gets along all the time, but they're not going to fight and work or anything. They keep it professional. But um it really is meaningful to employees when you do build a meaningful culture because it makes them loyal to you. But it's hard. It's not easy because you have to do a lot of work internal work and um to to make the changes that are required. And that's really hard work.
0: Today's episode is sponsored by our very own Tinsel CRM. Tinsel CRM is a Christmas installer industry-specific software to keep track of all of your Christmas lighting clients and projects. Tinsel CRM logs invoices and payments, handles scheduling, and keeps track of all of your inventory. Tinsel CRM basically runs your Christmas light business for you. For more information, head on over to tinselcrm.com. That's T-I-N-S-E-L-C-R-M.com. Enter promo code C. PP to get a special rate of just $79 per month with no long-term subscriptions, which means you can cancel anytime. Once again, that's tinselcrm.com. Promo code CPP, which stands for Christmas Pros Podcast. I want to uh, switch gears a little bit. I know we've kind of been hinting around home service VA. We kind of tiptoed around the whole <laughs> idea of it, but I want I to kind of deep dive it real quick. Yeah. Um, so. Talk about home service VA. I know you have a partner, Dean, right? Dean is awesome. Yeah. I've I've worked with Dean.
1: I love Dean. And the funny thing is I've never met her, but I trust her with my life. Um, Dean was my first full-time virtual assistant. I had always had um, office assistants in person. And talk about ADD. For me, that didn't work because ultimately if I was in the office when they were, they would be asking me questions all the time. And that's distracting. Or... I would just talk to them because that's, they're there. And that was also distracting. So I found that having a virtual staff is much easier for me to manage and it keeps me more on, on focus. But um, so when I sold my window cleaning company, I um realized, oh shit, I only have, oh, sorry. I get. only have- um, as, long, as
0: long as you don't say incandescent.
1: <laughs> oh God, okay, I'll never <laughs> say that word again. The <laughs> I word. Um, I realized I only have four months of work a year now. And I was thinking originally like, oh, I get to have this, you know, I get to have, enjoy my time and then I'll have the work. But what I forgot is I'm I'm a recovering workaholic. So space scares me. And pretty much within like a month, I had started Home Service VA with Dean. And it was really based on the idea that there was a lot of things missing in that experience that I had, which was, I, I kind of was just taking my, 20 years of hiring experience and trying to figure out um, how to judge people in the Philippines because that's where my VAs come from. Um, and the Philippines is cool because they learn American English in school. Everybody knows how to speak English. They know how to speak Tagalog as well, or they call it Taglish, I believe, the English, the mix of the two languages. But um, they, there's some, they love American culture. Um, I feel like they're one of the few countries that is very like into our country. So it's it was easy for me to decide to partner with Dean because she knows all about the culture. She, she understands all of the things that I didn't. Um, and I wanted to make sure that not only were we creating a system that would support business owners and kind of hold their hand through the process, but that we were also supporting the VAs because we wanna be successful, everybody needs to feel supported. Now I'm not a I'm not an agency. We don't charge a monthly fee. We have a recruiting fee, so we kind of are in a model that many people would say is not a great model. However, I like it um, because I could have started an agency, but I could could never have turned that agency easily into a recruiting company, you know, but I can always take an agency, build up the company and, or, you know, what the system we have now as a recruiter, build up the systems, the company. And then if we want to, we can become a hybrid model later. Um, But it just gave me a lot more freedom. And so what we do is we assess what, you know, clients needs are. We, um, create a training plan for them. We also have them go through a training that I've created, um, a video training. And if people don't like videos, I, we also have it transcribed now. And I'm always trying to, everybody learns different. So I'm trying to meet people where they're at as much as possible. And meanwhile, we find the VA, We we do all of the work. We do background checks. You know, we get their references just like you would in the U.S., and you don't even hire them. We hire the VA. We ch- we take ownership over that process. Um, we also use the DISC assessment, which is a behavioral assessment to try. And it's cool because it's, it's about your behavior uh, for work, actually. It's a good one for work because it talks about com- a lot of communication. And that's my favorite part is I really try to condense the amount of time it takes for a virtual assistant and an employer to, tr- to know each other and trust each other. And to have that, you know how you hire an employee, you don't really get to know them or trust them for quite a while sometimes. And an employee won't necessarily tell you what they're actually thinking for quite a while. So I act kind of as a mediator in the middle of a conversation between the two when they first meet. And talk about their communication styles, and talk about some of the issues that might come up, and it opens up the conversation
0: uh, very quickly. I love the the process of um, so so just to walk everybody through a little bit. Um, when you sign up with Home Service VA, you'll give you'll give the uh, the business owner or whoever it is. Um, an interview sort of right the kind of uh you know yeah. f- uh, forms or to fill out and so and there's, a whole bunch an,
1: of- there's an assessment yeah assessment, but it's that's not the what i'm looking for yeah and we're always changing things but um the assessment is is really detailed but simple meaning you don't have to write a lot because i know people struggle with like it's hard to think of what you'd want somebody to do. So we've made it as easy as possible and yeah, made it's, it more it's, of a
0: checkbox system. Exactly, yeah. It's less of a, uh, what do you want them to do, open text box. It's more of, yeah. do you want them to do this? Do you want them to do this? Do you want them to do this? Yes. Do you want to do this? And it's it's an extensive list. It's a very extensive yeah. list. And then you guys take that list, um, curate a job posting out of it, and base, mm-hmm. you know, you're, you're getting a whole bunch of um, job applications, and you guys are doing the interview process you guys handle all of that yeah you decide which va it is and you then um you know if i'm not mistaken mel you take um you know kind of the lead with talking with the business owner and dean will take the lead talking with the virtual assistant and you know and then at one point all four people will get on a zoom call or whatever and you kind of make the introduction and you yeah. kind of, you kind of at least in my experience. It's
1: actually you, it's Des now who does it. We've grown so. Oh, wow, yeah. cool. But but we yeah go on. I'm sorry.
0: But yeah, so um, you kind of held my hand through the whole thing, and I assume that's what's going to yes. happen on the other on the other side with with uh, Des and and yeah, the VA.
1: It does. Yep, it does. Because we really um, I I'm a big believer in really coaching people to 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 where they wanna be. A lot of times people clients will come to us and they are so past the point of needing help and they're put, just putting out fires all the time, right? So by the time they get to us, they should have probably been there six months or a year before, but they're at the point of like, I just need this to happen. They pay the money and then they don't do the work because they're still putting out fires every day. And so it, it's been a challenge to, figure out how to make people do things that they don't want to do. And I use myself a lot as a test subject because I am very stubborn and I don't want to do what I don't want to do. And I like to procrastinate and all sorts of things. So I'm always trying to figure out new ways to trick people into doing the things they need to do to get them to the point they want to be at. Um, And that's why we also let the VAs almost train themselves because that first week, just because you have a VA, you you don't have time to necessarily sit with them for six hours. And we as business owners tend to either over-train or undertrain. We will teach way too much, which will confuse them, or we will think, okay, they've got it, and then we're disappointed with how they do. So it's a it's a process we're always trying to figure out even more because it's a lot of psychology, it's a lot of, you know, deep thinking about how people work so yeah
0: one one thing that i want to touch on that you mentioned um if you're ready to hire a va you need to be ready to do the work that is bottom line you can't just uh, expect to hire somebody you treat a va like a real employee because they are real employees Um, you can't expect to hire somebody to go and hang christmas lights for you and just expect them to understand it and go do it you need to be able to put in the work to train them or have systems in place to train them and it's the same thing with a virtual assistant you're hiring somebody um, and there, there's a chance that that person has never been a virtual assistant before, or they've, they've, you know, only worked in an office setting yes. over where they, you know, over in the Philippines or something like that. So they're going to need some training. They're going to need, you know, they're just as new to this sometimes as you are. So you're there, yeah. you can't be afraid to do the work. I remember, I think I want to say I got with you, um, uh, and hired my VA in like late August or early September. It knowing was
1: early
0: yeah yeah knowing that I had nothing going on in September I had time to train uh, which you was waited, an upside I think what's that
1: I think you I think you waited for that time
0: Yeah I did I I, I think I was ready to um, hire I was ready in like June but yeah. I mean I wasn't going to yeah. hire in June and then have her sit on her hands the whole time So right. there was there was like there's there's a delicate balance of finding the right time to do this you could do it too early train them yes. and then you know let them sit on their hands for a few months which is fine. Um,
1: well, but- actually, I would I would speak to that and say that 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 time that they're sitting on their hands, they can be doing sales. They can be going back and emailing old customers. They can be doing contracts. There's a lot of things they actually can do, but when people usually most people aren't in your situation, they're usually overwhelmed, like way overwhelmed. So um, for you, it made sense. For most people, it 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 won't. I wish they would wait longer. I'm actually thinking of like ways that I can make people do the work ahead of time so that they can come to me. But they won't. They still won't. So it's better for me to hold their hand and poke them along yeah, the way.
0: When I when I say that there's that, you know, there's the opportunity to to train them early, I'm speaking more to the Christmas light industry, who obviously yeah, is much absolutely. more seasonal. Um yeah. but you know, it goes it goes for other industries too, like power washing, if you're the type of power you're if you're You know, up north in a power washing company, you have the you have a seasonal business as well. Maybe you wait until you know a month or so before you pick back up, or or two months before to get that time trained. You don't want to wait until you're in the middle of your season and then try and train them. You're never going to you're never going to get it done because you're just going to be like, I'll do it myself. It's faster.
1: Yeah, and and it's never faster. It might be faster initially. Um, The you know. In terms of task wise, but it's it's such a waste of time. I hired Dean to do twenty hours of work when I first hired her, and I quickly after three weeks she was doing fifty to sixty hours of work because once I saw what she could actually do, I was like, oh my god, she can take over all of these things I've been dreaming about and make them a reality. Now, is it always perfect? No, absolutely not. But you have to be um, open to the possibility, like. I'm always struggling with my my executive assistants because I am a lot to manage for them. And I if I have a good assistant, I usually put them in other departments that where they're needed because if they work for me, they've learned everything in the company and then I I give them up to other parts and it's so hard because it means I don't get assistance for very long. But it means that we are always building up the training because I am one of the hardest people to keep up with. And um, I call them the melody manager because I've learned that if I want to be my best self, I need to get rid of all of the stuff that used to hang in my head and put it on somebody else and just try to deal with the higher visionary stuff that I want to deal with. That's where I'm going to be my best. Does that happen ever? Practically never. But I try.
0: (laughs) so a lot of people also don't realize when you hire a VA, you can have them basically do anything, business related yes. or not business related. And so yeah. um you don't have to necessarily say, Well, I hired I hired this virtual assistant to work in my office or, or to do sales, they can't do you know, there's no reason why you can't train them to book your tea times on Saturday and and, and yeah. handle your doctor's appointments and realistically they can they can re- literally become an assistant to you personally you yes. can you know you can have that you can also just have the assistant in the business where they kind of become an office manager um, yeah. they're a virtual assistant they're there to, to assist in any way possible, you just have to realize that you need to train them to do those certain things. You can't just say, Hey, call my doctor and book me an appointment. They're gonna go, Who the hell is your doctor? We don't know. Like you have yeah. to train those on those. That was a crude example, but like you have to no, you have to train true. those on those things.
1: Yeah. And so my, my employees have a list of all my kids' names, my, their birthdays. I mean, it sounds like I have so many kids. I only have two, but like (laughs) they, they, they know who the important people in my life are. They know all of the important information it's in a document for them. And they're always collecting more data as time goes on so that the next person will have an easier time managing me. So, I mean, it's nothing to be ashamed of that, um, you know, I, I give them permission to manage me because I I don't need to be in control of everything and I shouldn't be. I want to be in control in the th- of the things that are going to help us make money, help us be successful and make me feel happy.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. Figure out what it is you need help with in, in managing, whether it's your personal life, your business figure out what you need to need help with in being managed. And that's where your VA is going to be the most successful. Uh, yes. Yes. If somebody wants to hire a virtual assistant and reach out to home service VA, how do they do that?
1: So they can either find me on messenger just under melody S Edwards. Um, they can al- they can also email info at homeserviceva.com. They can go to our website, homeserviceva.com. We're actually... In the middle of a transition, I feel like everybody always says, oh, we're updating our website, but we really are. So right now, um, who knows, by the time they hear this, it might be transitioned, but they can basically they'll be emailing us through the site, but they can get more info through the site. Um, So the way that it works is they pay us a fee. It's $21.95. Um, and we do have a payment plan if people need it, they will get back the value of that money within a month of having a virtual assistant because we start virtual assistants at about $5 an hour, which is a, a, a lower living wage in the Philippines. And then we usually tell people, you know, you might want to consider going bumping up to $6 when they're doing really well. Um, but there's no taxes. There's That's one of the big benefits is there's a loophole in our system, which means that Having a virtual assistant, they're an independent contractor. So you're not paying payroll taxes, you're not paying unemployment, all of that stuff. So it really is a huge savings at a time when many of us can't find employees, you know, or we're struggling to find employees. Um, You can have somebody, you can have one or two assistants running your whole company like I did last year. Um, It really, it's all about where the owner's mind is at and what they're willing to actually give up. And um, that's the hardest part. Actually, is the the shift of the mind.
0: Absolutely. So um, you had mentioned five dollars an hour is like lower living wage. What's in what's a middle class average hourly rate in the Philippines?
1: So I say lower living wage because I still feel very uncomfortable saying five dollars an hour. Like that's good. Um, you know, some people only make two dollars and 50 cents or three dollars an hour there a lot of people actually my um assistant one of my assistants her dad has been a mechanical engineer for 40 years and he makes less money than she does as a virtual assistant so the philippines um five to six dollars is actually a good wage um, if they're making ten dollars or even like at seven or eight, they can put down payments on a house. They can buy a car. Like you know, like in America, that's not going to make a huge impact when you're paying twenty bucks an hour anymore. But in the Philippines, you can actually change somebody's life with that kind of money, and they're changing yours. So it's
0: like kind of a win-win. You had mentioned that the price for to getting a VA and doing your whole entire service there is twenty-one ninety-five. But I want our listeners to know that if you mention uh Christmas Pros podcast. Melody is offering a discounted rate of nineteen ninety five. So that's a huge savings. I think it's close to ten uh, percent there, almost. So that's yeah. pretty big. Um, so make sure you mention Christmas Pros podcast when you talk to Melody, and yes. she'll take care of you.
1: And you know, I just want to say, there's really not a risk to to. Um anybody who wants to work with us because you're going to come away. Let's say the VA they got is the worst VA. We will find them another replacement um, because that's our job. And if they hate everything that we do, I would rather give somebody back their money than to have an unhappy customer. So in my view, that's a risk-free guarantee for them.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I, was, I was lucky enough to get a great VA on my first round. But yeah. um, Melanie had assured me, Melanie and Dean, that if I was not satisfied, um, and, and it goes the other way too. If your VA isn't satisfied, it's and true, they, yeah. they decide that they're not happy where they're at, then yes, um, we get if,
1: them. Yeah.
0: Yeah, you're going to kind of get them out and, and, and replace them, which is With really the, awesome. within
1: the first, Yeah, Within the first month, unless there's something really, because I tell people if they, They'll know within the first couple of days if this is a good match for them. They'll feel it in their gut, you know, that feeling we usually don't listen to when we get a new employee and we say, oh, I'm sure they'll f- learn eventually. And then they you fire them three months later and that's what we don't want to happen. So I really push that for both the owner and the VA. Um, but we have a higher than an 85% success rate. That doesn't mean we haven't... Um, had to replace VAs, but it does mean we've only had, we've we've hired for over 50 clients, I believe at this point, and we've only had two that we were not successful with, and they didn't even want their money back. So um, yeah, it yeah, I'm pretty, it, I've heard that if you have a 70% success rate, you're doing amazing. So I yeah. feel very good about you, it right now. You guys now.
0: have, according to those numbers, roughly uh, better than 92% which is awesome. Yeah, I don't
1: so, I don't like to say that because it sounds crazy, but it it really is. There's a lot of um I'm excited about what we've been doing. So,
0: yeah, that's awesome. Well, good luck with that. Before we finish up, um I have a little tradition on the show where yeah. we call it Rapid Fire. Um I'm going to ask you four quick questions and I promise it's fun. There's nothing crazy about okay. it. Okay. Uh, um and I just want the first answer that comes to your mind and I have a feeling you're just going to nail all four of them. I hope so, but now there's pressure. That No pressure, no pressure. <laughs> uh, you'll realize after the first question how much it, there's no pressure. Okay. So, <clears throat> so your first question, what is your favorite Christmas movie? Um, Elf. Elf. Love Elf for obvious reasons. Yes. All right, second question, what is your favorite Christmas cookie?
1: Oh, I would say... Um, Probably sugar cookies, actually, but soft ones.
0: Yep, absolutely. The soft ones with the little uh, glass-looking sprinkles on them. Yep, absolutely. What is your favorite Christmas song?
1: Oh, it's the song that sounds sad. I like sad songs, um, but it's actually a happy song. Crap. What is that song? Um, Oh, Carol of the Bells, right? Thank you. Carol of the Bells, yes. Love that song.
0: Who in the world said that sounds sad?
1: Well, it sounds like um, haunting to me. It is a
0: it is a it is a little darker depending on uh, which version you listen to. There you go. Yeah, haunting,
1: darker (laughs) equals sad.
0: So, (laughs) Um, it's funny you said that because when you said uh, a little bit sad, I was thinking of one of my favorite Christmas songs, which is somewhere in my memory, which is the theme song from Home Alone.
1: And so, if you listen to that,
0: that it it sounds a little sad, but it's it's not. It's it's the Julius part of the movie. Um, All right. What is your favorite Christmas drink? Ooh, a hot toddy. Hot toddy. That's the new one for the show. Awesome. Really?
1: What do other people say?
0: Oh, we've gotten... Um, hot uh, chocolate, probably. Hot chocolate. I think Brian Beaudry on the last interview said hot chocolate. Um, I've also gotten uh, Budweiser. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think you're going to get a lot of those.
0: <laughs> I think we're going to get a lot of eggnog, but... Uh, at least oh my I th- gosh,
1: eggnog, I forgot okay. I, I have to thought a
0: lot of people were going to say eggnog So far we've got So far everybody's like, nah, I'm not a big fan of eggnog my two I'm are a egg- huge fan Same, my two are eggnog and um, uh, Lemoncello, which is not necessarily A Christmas drink, but in my yeah. family It is, certainly it is.
1: Hot apple cider too I feel like I like that too Okay, I have three favorites <laughs> And that's just going to be the way it is
0: That's okay, as long as you don't say the I word got it incandescent (laughs) all right well melanie that pretty much wraps it up so i want to thank you for being on the show best of luck in uh your your holiday lighting business for new holiday lights and with home service va i know for a fact that you guys are going to do uh very well with that so best of luck with that and thank you so much for being on the show thank you this is fun That's it for today, folks. Thank you for listening to the Christmas Pros Podcast. For updates on the latest episodes, be sure to subscribe to the Christmas Pros Podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Until next time, Merry Christmas, you filthy animals,
1: And a Happy New Year.